0: Well, Aloha from Maui, Hawaii, and welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. My name is Michael Benner. As always, happy to be here. It's a little after 1 o'clock on the west coast of the United States. It's uh, 4 o'clock in the east, 20 hours GMT, and uh, Father's Day in the United States. So, happy Dad's Day to everybody who is a father, or has a father, or used to have a father. Uh, Dads are pretty important, just like moms, so you all get your own day today. And I hope that uh, it's a happy Father's Day for you and and, uh, that it's an opportunity for you to spend a little extra time with your family. Appreciate you being here today. Our theme in this week's Mystery School, from a non-political, from a spiritual, or the point of view of consciousness... We're going to talk about civil disobedience and dissent. It's uh, pretty easy to imagine that I got the idea by watching what's happening in Iran, particularly the city of Tehran, and I want to talk about that. Also, the role of new media in all of this. But so many people, I'm afraid, have this idea that the only way to... Work for change, the only way to be a dissenter, uh, the only way to participate in some form of civil disobedience or a strike or a boycott, which the boycotts, my goodness, that's so easy to do, or just, you know, um, I guess a quasi-boycott, like maybe you decide that you're done buying water in those little disposable bottles. Um, it's more expensive than gasoline but here you've got all this this you know plastic and petroleum products bound up in this stupid little bottle that are clogging our landfills and in some cases can be recycled but wouldn't it be better if you didn't buy the bottle in the first place and so to be a conscious consumer is part of all of this and Uh, My opening statement here is really an appeal to you to uh, consider, as we do our class today, that politics is not the only motivator, that there are non-political reasons to be involved, socially, politically, whatever your particular point of view. Um, And I think what's happening in Iran is a perfect example you will see, if you have not already seen, you will see in the next couple of days that, that, that what is happening in Iran was initiated by the gross fraud of this election, but is much more, uh, about much more than the election. For all of these candidates, all four of the candidates, the three that lost, as well as the guy that won re-election. They're all part of this old guard. There, there's no revolution in one or, or, or another of these candidates getting in office. One might be a little more liberal, if you will, than another. But they all work for the Mullahs. What's happening in Iran, it seems to me, and uh, I have quite a few Persian friends, uh, and have always had a lot of very bright, Uh, Persian, Iranian men and women listening to my radio shows in Los Angeles over the years. Very sophisticated, well-educated people who love the West. And, uh, you know, they're as horrified by the crimes of the United States and and the sometimes arrogance of American policy, certainly the last eight years uh, as you know, so many Americans have and, and uh, other American allies. We've, we've gone through a very difficult period here, especially in the last eight years. But there's a new theme in the world. and We talked briefly a couple of weeks ago about the tone that was set by President Obama in Cairo speaking to students at the university in Egypt. And I think that's part of what's happening, and I think it's much bigger than politics. It's bigger in this country than Barack Obama. He is a symbol, but what's happening is bigger than Barack Obama and democratic politics. And similarly, what's happening in Iran or Persia is much bigger than what happened with their election a little over a week ago is I heard somebody say recently the outcome of what's happening now is less important in the short term, what happens in the next few days, than the fact that a movement has begun. Okay? Uh, what, did, what, what these people want is freedom. And freedom is a longing that is not political. It is, it is an insistence deep in the core of your being that fundamentally could not be political. It's a matter of consciousness, of conscience, of, of a spirit. And that's why I say we're going to talk about spiritual dissent or civil disobedience and boycotts and refusal to participate in strikes and, and all of the nonviolent ways that we can promote reform and change in the world. And and what drives us? Because I think once we come in touch with what drives us and we elevate it beyond simple politics, you know, like what's that old Temptation song, Um, Ball of Confusion, where they go, you know, vote for me, I'll set you free. And then the chorus comes down, rap on, brother, rap on. We're so tired of vote for me, I'll set you free. It's not about the candidate. It's not about the voting. It's not about politics. My argument, anyway, is that it's about a passion, about a longing inside to cast off the oppressor, whether they hold themselves out to be men of God, whether they call themselves communists or socialists or capitalists, or this horrible exceptionalism that I hear from the right wing in America, about how Americans are just better than everybody else. They call it exceptionalism, coming from the far right in this country. Um, All of that's got to be washed away. It is so 20th century. It is so yesterday. And the role of new media. I want to talk a little about that. Because in the Iranian Revolution 30 years ago, new media played a very important role. Only 30 years ago, new media was a cassette revolution. Taped cassettes were were flooded in the Shah. I don't know how many of you remember 1979 and the overthrow of the Shah, who was installed, who was a puppet of the United States and installed by the United States after uh, an American-backed coup and was a tyrant and a dictator who believed he had ascended the ancient peacock throne of Persia. Um, he was overthrown by these religious mullahs who created this Islamic Republic, so-called, based on the popularity of Sony Walkmen. You remember in the, in the late 70s and early 80s, these little portable cassette players Uh, made by Sony with really cool, high fidelity, called the Walkman. Well, they were getting really popular and really affordable in the late 1970s. And so the Ayatollah, who was an exile in France, was making tapes, recording tapes. They would be duplicated as cassettes, smuggled into Iran, and used to spread their news and information, their propaganda, if you will, about how to continue to foment revolution against the Shah. So the cassette tape played a very important role 30 years ago in 1979 in creating that revolution. And now, whoever would have guessed it, Twitter and Facebook, uh, YouTube and Google, uh, Yahoo, these social networking sites are part of this, amazing revolution. But my argument today is going to be this is much more than politics and about much more than an election in Iran. It's about something happening in the world. There is something happening in the world. I don't remember who gets credit for the quotation, but I remember hearing years ago that a time will come, I have to paraphrase it, it was something like There will come a time when the people of the world want freedom so much that the governments of the world will have to get out of the way and let them have it. And that's what's happening. We don't want, here comes the new boss, same as the old boss. Aren't you tired of going back from one tyrant to another tyrant? In the United States, we're seeing Obama trying to hold together a coalition. And what happens? Well, the same corrupt influences that bought the Republicans in the last eight years are now buying Democrats. And Obama can't even seem to get a simple health care package through, even though 80% of Americans want it. (laughs) Excuse me. What? (coughs) because it's as easy to buy a democrat as it is to buy a republican and that's the tragedy of what's happening American politics is corrupt Iranian politics is corrupt the nature of politics is corrupt it's a necessary evil I'd say (coughs) forgive me I've got one of those I need little pieces of oatmeal. <laughs> we put flax in our oatmeal, and there's a little bit of flax in the back of my mouth. Under my tongue, I can only hope to stop coughing so I can do this program here. <laughs> I'm sure it'll clear. Forgive me. Oh, my goodness. Um,. In my enthusiasm here, I have a flaxseed cough. Um, But you understand what I'm saying about uh, it being non-political. That's what we're going to talk about today. I have a little um, announcement I want to make before I uh, actually go any uh, further with this. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but um, it wasn't available to me. I couldn't really make it happen. And that's this uh, talk show option I've upgraded with my teleseminar providers to a program that is going to allow me, I hope, I believe, to unmute callers one call at a time. Now, as you know, this webinar that we do live every week, and it is available by replay, of course, but let's talk about the live program because here we are together. This program can be heard either on the telephone or on the web. Now, there is a delay if you listen to both, and the telephone number is on the website, so you have your choice. But if you ever did both, you're going to be a little confused because the web is delayed by 15 to 20 seconds. Knowing that, you'll be less confused, I'm sure. But understand that there is, because of the latency that, is built into computers and the whole idea of the Internet, there has to be this delay. And usually it runs 15 to 20 seconds. So if you use both, if you call the number on the screen to listen to the program that way, understand there will be that delay. Well, in the past, I had to have all of the callers muted. Because if you just have static on one telephone line, everybody hears it or one barking dog, or somebody shuffling papers, everybody hears it. So we've had to keep everybody muted out. That means anybody who wanted to comment had to do it by typing on the Internet. And that's what we've done for the last almost year and a half that we've been doing the seminar. All the feedback, all of the interactive part, the comments and the questions, had to come by text. During the live class Well, it looks like with this upgrade What I'm available to do now Is unmute callers one at a time All you have to do is call the number you see on the screen in front of you Provided you're listening to us live today On Father's Day, the 21st of June, 2009 And If I didn't say Happy Father's Day to everybody Let me be sure and do that now Happy Dad's Day to everybody Everybody has a dad at some point. Um, So here's what you can do. You can listen on the web. You can call on the telephone, and by pressing star 2, raise your hand. How about that? I have a little screen in front of me now, in addition to my other controls, that show me who is calling, where they are, and... By hitting star two, you know, the asterisk button just to the left of the arrow, and then the number two, star two, at any time, it shows on my screen that your hand is raised, and that means you have a question. I can unmute you, and only you. Have our chat. You can ask your question or make your comment. I'll respond. When we're done, I'll let you go, mute you again. In other words, what we have is a regular live talk show, just like a real radio talk show. So, if at any time during this webinar uh, you have a question, I'm gonna do like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and then we'll go to the comments on the web, and we'll open up the telephones. And If at that time you wanna participate by telephone, call the number on the screen in front of you, use the pin to get inside, Listen to any explanation of the codes that are available to you. Um, I think star seven mutes just you, and I don't want to confuse you. The star two is the one that will raise your hand. So I won't answer if you call on the phone. I'll never answer unless you raise your hand with star two. Okay? See how that works. We'll do that a little bit later. I'm looking forward to that. All right, so... um, let's let's get into this whole idea of nonviolent dissent and nonpolitical dissent. If you think about it, and most people never do, it's a little odd that we are conditioned to think only in terms of politics to create change in the world, and everybody Everything has to be seen in terms of change through a political lens, which, of course, limits our options then. It's as if we have to persuade a certain percentage of politicians to act in our interest. And all we have, basically, is a vote. You say, well, that's how democracy works, isn't it, Michael? Yeah, except that there's another layer here, which is a different kind of a vote, and that's money. The United States is what I know, and most of us listening to this program, the way of people from all over the world that can listen, most of us are Americans. We know how corrupt our system is, how corrupt it's become. And as I just indicated a few minutes ago, the same special interest groups, the same mega-corporations, global, they may be based in America or more likely the Cayman Islands now. They may call themselves American, but they're multinational global conglomerates. There's only a a dozen of these huge, super-big corporations. They've devoured each other, and they have bought Congress The Congress of the United States, and to some extent the White House and the Supreme Court as well, have been purchased by American corporations. They are up for sale. You saw it blatantly in the Nixon administration, and it never went away. The corruption continued from Nixon into Ford, into um, Reagan and uh, H.W. Bush, and Clinton, the idea that somebody thinks Clinton might be a liberal, I mean, it's absurd. And um, then, of course, W is eight years. Well it was really President Cheney, and and um, and George W. Bush was sort of the figurehead. It was really President Cheney that ran the country for the last eight years. I think that's pretty obvious. <clears throat> now we have something new in barack obama i really think this is very different but i don't want to make politics a personality cult around barack he has to deal with this outrageous corruption he's trying to hold together a coalition that's why the left is so upset with his um moderate position his uh Some people would say, you know, lily-livered or weak-kneed, wussy politics here. Well, what Brock's trying to do is hold together or create a coalition. And I have my issues and my differences, of course. But I bring it all up because these giant corporations that bought the Republican Party can buy the Democratic Party just as easily. I first realized this and documented this as a reporter in the early 1970s during Watergate with Richard Nixon, and we found that the same organizations that were bribing Nixon were bribing the Democrats at the same time, whether they were outright bribes or whether they were quasi-legal campaign contributions you know, the idea that there's no strings attached is absurd. So Brock can't even hold the Democrats together now when it comes to health care, for example, because the special interests come in, in this case the medical establishment, uh, the AMA, which is not doctors, but big pharma and the whole medical industrial complex that doesn't want change, and certainly this includes insurance companies and the pharmaceutical uh, corporations as well. So they're buying off the Democrats, and we've lost control of our government. So what do you do? What do you do in a situation where you can't control through politics, through the proper channels, you have no influence? This is where dissent and civil disobedience comes in. But it doesn't have to be done in a political way. In other words, we don't have to be, again, to use the United States as a model, we don't have to be dissenting against Republicans. I'm a Democrat, or I'm a Libertarian that is dissenting against the Democrats and the Republicans, or a a Democrat that's dissenting against the right wing of my party or whatever. We can, we can promote change and reform in non-political ways. Be part of a political process, but do it in non-political ways. That's what's happening in Iran, in Persia, right now. For the last week, the last, what, eight days, You have seen the news covering the protests in Iran, in Persia, as if it's about a fraudulent election. And the people wearing green are the people that support one of the candidates that lost. They want their candidate to win i got to tell you, if you don't know any Iranian people, uh, or if you're not plugged into what's really happening, it's much bigger than a fraudulent election. The fraudulent election from just over a week ago is a symptom of the corruption in Iran that these people want to move beyond. Do they want to be Americans? No. Do they not have issues with the United States? Of course they have issues. You and I have issues with the policies of the United States and NATO and and Europe. My God, what we've done in Iran, again, many Americans just don't know the history of our meddling, of our overthrowing of the Mossadegh government, installing the Shah and the brutal tyranny of Mohammad Reza Pahlavi, the Shah, so called, of Iran. Many of the Iranian spokespeople that CNN goes to are elements of that puppet government supported by the United States. Okay, so 1979, 30 years ago, there's a revolution, an Islamic Republic is created, but that's corrupt in its own way, you see. Just like The Democrats are in charge in America now, but they're corrupt. Maybe they're not as corrupt as the Republicans. Maybe they're not as crazy as the Republicans. But we can see them being bought off right now. All right. Uh, The majority of Democrats in the Congress voted against bringing the Gitmo detainees to the United States. They knuckled under, you see. So, Barack can't even, as popular as Barack Obama is, he's having a problem holding these Democrats in line. Here's the good news, and the point of our whole program today is that the reason that you care, and the reason that I care, is not of our political nature. It's spiritual. The reason you are listening to this program now, and that you care at all about what's happening in Iran, that you cared about Tiananmen Square, that, that you got excited during the election last November in the United States, is that you feel a longing, I would argue, a passion deep inside for justice and for peace and for freedom. And politics is not going to provide it. Politics is a necessary evil. You gotta have, If you're going to have government, you're going to have a power politic, a power play around government. We can't separate, it seems to me, politics from a need for some kind of government. So we'll always have government. We'll always have politics, it seems. But we can develop our awareness for our own personal benefit and for the benefit of others in our family, in our sphere of influence, our friends, we can develop our awareness that the real passions that motivate us toward peace and freedom and justice are non-political. They are spiritual passions. They are a longing, a deep inner ache for the right thing. Do the right thing. Be fair. Be just. And you can't have peace without justice. Right? Peace without justice is an appearance of peace. It's not the real thing. As long as there is injustice, there cannot be peace or freedom. So those three things are just Three sides of the same, <laughs> three sides of the same coin. Okay, uh, peace and freedom and justice in any order—they all go together. That's what we want. That's what the people of the world want. That's why a month ago you were totally uninterested in Iran, and now you're fascinated. Now you can identify with those people. Now you look at the slaughter in the streets and you think. Kent State, don't you? CNN hasn't brought that up, and I doubt they will, but that's what's on your mind, right? Students being shot from the roof by these cowardly volunteer militia. Reminds me of Mao Zedong's Red Guard in the 1960s, right? Vigilantes, the government, a supposedly holy government run by men who have put themselves between man and God, who proclaim to be the holiest men in Islam, are giving volunteer vigilantes the authority and the blessing to shoot unarmed civilians from the roof. That's Kent State. That's Jackson State right that's uh, the british troops in india mowing down crowds of unarmed nonviolent people that's the way oppressors behave they don't know any other way they can claim to be men of god but the the bullets kill just as surely just as certainly so power corrupts this kind of power force domination Patriarchy has a corrupting influence, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. I think we can do so much more as individuals in our own country and in the global movement, the global movement for peace and freedom and justice, if we understand that our longing is not political but spiritual that the ache deep inside that causes you to care has little to do with Democrat or Republican or this party or that party or this leader or that leader. You don't even need leadership, somebody else to tell you what to do, where to go, what to think, and how to behave if you're in touch with the passion inside. The longing deep in your heart and your very soul of being for freedom and peace and justice. This is the first point I want to make. The second is simply to remember that we have great teachers. The United States is largely a Christian nation based on Judeo-Christian principles. If you read the Quran and understand Islam, you'll find that those same principles of love and peace and justice are found there. But, of course, all three of these so-called religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, the so-called Muslim, have their fundamentalist and extremist elements that think the best way to prove their love of God is to kill people. Whether it's a jihad or a crusade or an occupation on the West Bank, right, it doesn't much matter. These are holy bullets, and this is a holy war, and it's absurd on the surface of it. It's absolutely absurd to those women and men who understand that what's really happening is far beyond politics, but we have good teachers, We can look to the prophets. What what would Moses do? (laughs) I mean, what is the point of these commandments? What would Jesus suggest? What is the point of the Beatitudes? Blessed are the peacemakers. Turn the other cheek. Walk the extra mile. Okay? Love your enemy. And the same principles found in Islam, you know, that it is a crime in Islam uh, to kill. It it is a crime. So the Ayatollahs who speak for God are killing, and they'll say, just like a a, a Jew or a Christian, well, I had to kill them. They were threatening me. Well, excuse me, they're nonviolent and and unarmed, a couple of those protests in Iran last week looked like they were led by Gandhi. They were silent. There was no chanting. There were no signs. There was no death to anybody being shouted. They were just silent protests. It's a good time to reread Gandhi and find out about the influence of Christ in Gandhi on Martin Luther King, one of the greatest Americans who ever lived. A hero of mine as a boy. And I'm an upper middle class white kid in a segregated, all white city. And at 12 years old, I'm sitting in front of the TV, fascinated by Dr. King and what he was saying, because he was touching something inside me. I wasn't repressed based on color. But I was oppressed in a different way. You don't want to know the details of my family and my background and why I identified with people of color being oppressed and repressed and subjugated around the world, but I did. and That's what I'm saying is being awakened in all of us right now by watching what's happening in Iran, by remembering Tiananmen Square by thinking of what happened in this country last November and saying, I've got to deal with politics, I've got to deal with government. But I don't have to limit myself to a political purview or context. I can ascend to an elevated point of view. I can develop my conscious awareness of who I am and what motivates me deep inside, and realize there's nothing political about love, about awareness, about the inherent passion for compassion. Can I say it that way? A passion for compassion. About the almost desperate longing in every member of of every society for peace and freedom. And, of course, justice, without which there can be no peace and no freedom. Now, somebody might say, well, Michael, if this is so, then why are there tyrants? What is the nature of the men, and even sometimes women, though much less often, who see themselves in a kind of parental role and they're going to decide for us what's in our interest and they're going to accept these campaign bribes and the money from the special interest groups and make all the right noises and say all the right things but under the table they're as corrupt as could be. Well, that's the lust for power and that is If you're familiar with the chakra systems, a lower chakra. That's first and second chakra stuff. We're talking about third and fourth level chakra stuff. Love trumps fear. But fear has an influence, and some people are tempted by it. And uh, you can see countless examples of that. I was talking to a friend the other day, and we were just... Uh, talking story about, it's a Hawaiian expression, to talk story is to sit on the porch and, you know, just chat, uh, chew the rag, talk story, and uh, we were talking about how is it that these these corporate pirates and tyrants could deny global warming and continue to pollute on the level that they pollute when they have children and grandchildren of their own so strong is the evil the fear that seems at times to be stronger even than the love and the conscious longing for justice and peace and freedom that we're talking about here today And so we see that played out in the world. And you need to see that played out within yourself. There's a wonderful new film coming out in uh, another week from some New Age spiritual teachers, Deepak Chopra, Marianne Williamson, and others, uh, about the shadow in human beings, about the dark side. You've got a Dick Cheney in you. You've got a Darth Vader in you, you've got a Jack the Ripper in you. And so do I. We've all got Jung talked about this. The great psychoanalyst Carl Jung talked about the shadow, the dark side. You know? We all have that. It's fear. It's nothing but fear. And love will always trump fear, but only if it's consciously applied. Only if we identify that longing as For peace and freedom and justice as what it is spiritual love, not emotional love it includes that but goes beyond that to a passion a compassion to a a quality of being that is not only emerging in the world but I think we're seeing accelerated so Some of the comments, basically those are the comments I want to make. Don't limit yourself to politics. You don't have to be a Democrat or a Republican or a Libertarian. You get to be a person who opposes war as a human being, who opposes corruption and injustice because it's in your human nature to do so. And you don't have to line up with this party or that. And if you still think what's happening in Iran or what happened in Tiananmen Square a decade ago, was about politics. Watch more carefully. Look what happens. You'll see it happening in the coming week. Less and less will we hear on our news outlets about the fraudulent election as anything other than a symptom of something deeper in society, an unrest. Just an intolerance of intolerance, if I can say it that way. You know, an intolerance of the corruption of the allegedly spiritually based regime. Well, you know, the Islamic Republic is not spiritually based. It may be religiously based, but it's not spiritually based. And when Christians and Jews kill and murder and slaughter, that may be religious but it's not spiritual, you see. And the spiritual domain, level always trump fear. That's the challenge to each of us, to be global citizens that care about peace and freedom and justice and do everything that we can with economic boycotts, refusal to participate, um, strikes, um, letters of encouragement, just a belief in, in the global emergence of a longing to be free and to support that wherever you find that we don't have to be limited or imprisoned by our political views or made to feel desperate that politics being so corrupt by its very nature is the only hope we have it's just not true and Having said that, let me open it up. If you are on the web and you have a question or a comment, join the people that have already posted, even if it's just to say hi. You'll see right on the bottom of your screen a space where you can type your comment or your question. Put your name in there, at least your first name in the city. I'd love to know where you are. The last few weeks we've had people from different parts of the world checking in so you can do that and if you want to call the telephone number is on the screen let's see if I can find that telephone number actually there's a whole bunch of numbers on the screen <clears throat> allow for the delay keep in mind that there is a delay and uh, you can listen on the telephone and then if you do want to if you want to raise your hand, if you want me to unmute just you so that we can talk live, then star 2 is the way to do that. Here's the primary number if you want to call us. It's 415-671-4335. Okay. Number in the 415 area code, 671-4335. Then the PIN number this is on the screen in front of you. 457-254 and pound. So once you call that number, enter at the prompt, you'll hear a voice prompt. Four five seven two five four pound. That will route you into this particular program. And if you have a question, this is the first week I've ever done this. <laughs> so we'll see how it works. Press star two, and that'll raise your hand, so to speak, on my council. And we'll see if I can unmute you. We'll see how that works. Okay. So I can see we have several several people calling here, and I also see several people who are coming in on the um, question and answer uh, text-based question and answer. Let's start with the text comments and see if anybody calls in on the telephone as well. I expect it will be a few weeks before people begin to use the telephone because the vast majority of our listeners have always been on the web, not the phone, because we didn't have this ability, you know, to unmute you, to make it like a radio talk show, but I'm sure we'll have more callers in the future. All right, let's start with uh, Oceanside. Larry's with us today, Larry Bogle. He says, hi, Michael, a longtime fan And a new listener to your Sunday webinar, I have a long-standing Sunday morning ritual of watching the Sunday morning show on TV. I have no doubt your webcast will also become part of my Sunday ritual from now on. Well, thank you, Larry. I think, I suspect, the show you're talking about is the CBS uh, show. They do a great show one of the best shows on TV, I think, is that CBS Sunday Morning show with uh, Charles Osgood. That used to be, um, or no, what's his name? Uh, something Osgood. Charles Caroll started that program twenty years ago. Some of uh, some of us, I'm sure, remember Charles Caroll. His on the road series, and then he started the Sunday Morning program. And uh, so it has a different host, but it's still on. It's like a mellow 60 Minutes. It's <laughs> it's really cool. and uh, We TiVo that. We don't watch much live TV except for news. We pretty much TiVo or DVR uh, everything, so I like that show too. So I hope we do become part of your Sunday morning. Larry, thank you very much. And just up the beach in Huntington Beach, Rich and Donna say aloha, Michael. Hello, Rich and Donnie. Donnie, not Donna, Donnie, Rich and Donnie in Huntington Beach. Hello and aloha to you guys. In La Habra, Carol Postel is with us. She says, hello, Michael, hello, Doreen, and hello back at you, Carol. No questions or comments from Carol. She's here every week. We appreciate that. Laura Lorelei Hatch also is with us. Aloha, Michael and Doreen. Great to hear your voice and everything you had to share and teach. Happy Father's Day. You are a great father figure to many of us. Well, thank you, lot, And uh, happy birthday. Lorelai had a birthday just a few days ago. Um, in Irvine, Robert is with us. He says, Aloha, Michael. Thanks for another wonderful discussion. John Locke, with an E. You guys probably remember reading John Locke in college. Robert says, John Locke wrote about our natural rights which are inalienable, cannot be separated. It would seem the ideal, uh, the ideal governments are those which enforce legal rights, which conform with our natural rights. In fact, one document I think thus uh, codifies our natural rights is the Universal Declaration of Human Rights adopted by the United Nations in 1948. Should not we hold all governments of the world to this standard? Yeah. And if you have never read the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the UN document from the late 40s, Google it and read it. It's remarkable. It's beautiful. And it uh, would be nice if all the nations of the world could get behind that. So thank you for that, Robert. 73 and aloha to you. From Honolulu, Bert's with us again today. He says, hello, Michael. I hope you and Doreen are doing well. We are indeed, Bert. Thank you. Have you ever seen the bumper sticker Visualize World Peace? <laughs> I have. Not world peace, but world peas. but if you say it right. He says, it seems to me uh, that those who commit violence or war and war have a hard time, if not harder, to visualize world peace. As they do for old peace, peace and aloha. <laughs> uh, things. I think, you know, the forces that come to bear in politics have no interest in peace. Uh, for example, a uh, long time ago uh, in the late 1950s, then President Dwight Eisenhower, Supreme NATO Allied Commander in World War II and later our president, warned us to beware of the insidious nature of America's military-industrial complex. He said, Daddy Warbucks will ruin, believe me, he said, I'm a four-star general. I commanded the Allied forces in World War II, all of them. And I'm here to tell you that Daddy Warbucks is going to destroy this country if we don't demilitarize. And he was ignored, and we did not demilitarize, and we have not demilitarized. And our war budget is on the order of, I mean, not even including the war. (laughs) Just the so-called defense budget is close to $800 billion a year, more than the total of all the rest of the nations in the world. Not only do we have more of our own people in prison than any other nation in the world, We spend more money on war than all the other nations in the world combined, and only 10% of it goes to defend America. The other 90% goes to project our influence in foreign places. This is major, major corruption, and the Democrats are as in on it as the Republicans, so what's a peaceful person to do? Put a bumper sticker on your car that says visualize world peace. Yeah, you do whatever you can. You educate yourself first and understand that your passion for peace and justice and freedom is not political. Your desire to stop the war and abolish all war, to stop capital punishment, to end world hunger, these are not political in nature. That's my argument today. It's a matter of consciousness. To be conscious, to be awake, that caring nature is non-political. Just think of all the arguments with your family over the Thanksgiving table. You know, every time we get together, Thanksgiving or Christmas, the family fights about politics and religion. You don't have to. You can reorient yourself with a slow, deep breath and a reminder that the yearning burning deep inside you <laughs> for peace and freedom and justice is your human nature. You're not a spiritual being that cares about religion one day a week. You are a, you're, you're, you're not a human being with a spiritual nature. You're a spiritual being temporarily incarnated into human form. That longing is who you are, more than what you see reflected in the mirror. That longing, that, that sometimes sweet and sometimes painful ache for people to get along is, is, is not political. So why are we looking only at political solutions? Study the tactics and the writings of Martin Luther King study Gandhi and see what these people have had to say. We'll find out if Barack Obama, you know, to what extent he'll be able to do what he promised. He said he would not only end the war, he said he would end the mindset that leads to war. I still believe him. He doesn't only want Iran to have no nukes, he wants to denuke the world. This has not received very much attention in the media, but Barack Obama is committed to nuclear disarmament. Every last nuke taken apart. That's not a political position, that's a spiritual position, a matter of consciousness, conscious awareness. Okay, a couple of more. Um, in England, Jacob Martin is with us again. Hello, Jacob. Nice to hear from you. He says, Hey, Michael. Can you share your thoughts about why the big corporations have to own the government? Thank you, uh, thank you Michael, in peace. Well, um, you know, it's like a vicious cycle of money and power and, and power and money. Most people would say greed and money, but they have so much money that you have to ask yourself, how come that appetite for money is never satiated? You know, like Cheney and Bush and Rumsfeld, for example, uh, who who did so much to destroy America's image in the world, killed about one million people. I know you find that hard to believe, but according to a study by the British medical journal uh, Lancet, or well, they published the study, I don't think they did it, A million people, one million people have died as a result of George Bush desiring to take out Saddam Hussein. America admits to 100,000 casualties as a result, direct result of combat. But when you figure people don't have power, they don't have clean water, uh, they don't have nutritious food available to them, schools have been bombed the kids can't go to school um, more than a million people have died as an indirect consequence of war a hundred thousand of them ten percent of them directly gunned down what in an attempt to replace Saddam Hussein right regime change is that what it was really about or is it about oil Okay, and if it's about oil Well, my point, I don't want to get too far afield here in answering your question. Let me go back to that. My point is that Bush and Cheney and Rumsfeld and these guys are all multimillionaires. They all have grandchildren. Now ask yourself, if you had hundreds of millions of dollars, and you had children and grandchildren at home, and you were in your 70s or even your 60s, Wouldn't you be at home playing with the grandkids? If you had $100 million or $500 million in the bank like these guys? So no matter how much money they have, it never seems to be enough. So what they're really after is power. And there's only two kinds of power in the world. There's the power of love and the power of fear. And love is stronger, but it requires consciousness. It requires an awareness. Fear, on the other hand, is born of ignorance. And it's extremely powerful. Ultimately, the battle between love and fear, like the battle between good and evil, is not a battle between opposing forces. By the battle between a force, love and understanding, and the absence of a force, which is fear and ignorance. But they have violence. We have magic, but they have violence. The battle is between the magic and the violence. Right? And the magic will prevail, it's just how many people then they can they kill along the way or allow to die. The fact that every night when you go to bed, another 30,000 children have died from starvation on this planet is unconscionable. And, and you might have some crazy version of the Malthusian doctrine in your head that says, well, a little starvation is necessary. It curtails the population. We don't grow as fast. You need to learn and understand that the leading cause of overpopulation is starvation. When your babies die, you have more babies. The best form of birth control is to feed the children and educate people. And then they have fewer babies. To starve them, they have more babies. you got to get that turned around in your head. Read Food First by Francis Moore LePay if you want to get straight on how Hunger promotes overpopulation. It's not overpopulation that makes people hungry. It's hungry people that start having more and more babies. It's unconscionable. There will come a time, hopefully in our lifetime, where the problems we face are global in nature. Chernobyl should approve that. And non-political. So, I think to answer the question... Uh, Jacob in, you know why big governments have to own the government because they make more money but the, it's really not the money it's power it's a lust for power it's a first chakra second chakra root base of the spine lust it's like lust it's like rape why do men rape you know rapists 90 percent of rapists have girlfriends and wives So why do they rape? It's not for sex, it's for power. It's to demean and degrade and humiliate the woman they're raping. It's not to get off or have sex. Same thing with people that have this bloodlust for money. They've already got money, tons of money. More more money than they know what to do with. There's something you don't hear often in Hawaii. uh, an alarm, fire, a fire alarm going by. We had brush fires up country yesterday. I don't know if you heard that or not. Anyway, that that's a very important concept, and I'm, I'm glad you gave me an opportunity to speak to that, that the money's never enough. Ultimately, what looks like greed is a lust for power, whether it's rape or big corporations taking over the government go back to our question board in uh, Irvine Robert Fiegel says hello Robert, happy Father's Day to you Uh, Aloha Michael, I think Timothy Leary may have said it best from the onset the world seems to be in total chaos but if you put on your rose colored glasses the world is evolving in spiritual perfection, excellent classes always have a great week yeah I believe that I just wish it would be a little more elegant, a little more graceful, and a little faster. Like whatever we could do to wake up, we could, you know, initiate some acceleration and, and stop looking only to politics to create change. Get into the streets, you know, do whatever you can, boycott, support what supports you and stop supporting what does not support you, you know grow some food at home, just take a couple of, even if you're in an apartment, go out in the balcony and put a tomato plant in a pot, I mean, whatever you can do, stop buying water in those stupid little bottles, you know, don't drive so much, stay home, whatever you can do, every little bit helps. In Montreal, Quebec, Charlotte says, hello Michael, is it not what will happen, 12-12-2012, that people of the world will have uh, will have to move on to another way of thinking? Uh, what if there was a war and nobody came? Yeah. that's What if there was a war and nobody came? Uh, that's why we went to the All Volunteer Army. Well, I don't know about 12-12-2012. I did a, a program you can find in my archives a few months ago called What's the Deal with 2012? We talked about that at great length. Um, this is a period that we're moving through. The new age doesn't start on a given day. Uh, I don't think you'll know this much difference between 12-11, 12-12, and 12-13 of that year. Um, but it's good to set dates. It's good to have goals. Uh, but we're in it now. We're in the in the portal, we're in the transition from the old way of doing things to a whole new world. And and I'm fascinated by the role that the internet, email, uh, cell phone, SMS text, Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and blogs, all this new media, the role that it's playing in global revolution. In nonviolent global revolution by Twitter? Are you kidding me? Fascinating. Just so exciting. I just can barely contain myself sometimes. Sometimes. Out of Oceanside, Roberto is with us and says, Hello, Michael. Congrats on the new call in feature. Uh, You're keeping up with technology as usual. Uh, It's time to change our priorities as a country and a civilization. War seems to be America's historical legacy and yet most people would describe themselves as desiring peace. What a great paradox, good topic, and thanks, Roberto. Um, I don't have anybody calling that has their hand raised yet. Again, if you're online and you would like to be on the radio, (laughs) if you have a question... And you would like to speak to me live, you can call the number I gave you, call the number on your screen, use the pin to get in, and by hitting star 2, raise your hand. And remember, there's a little delay, just like calling a radio show. There's usually a 8 to 10 second delay in the radio. We have a 15 to 20 second delay between the Internet and the telephone. But you can do that, and you'll pop up on my screen. Uh, let me hit refresh. I forgot to hit refresh here. No, nobody here. We have people on, but nobody with their hand raised. So this is cool. This is very cool. I can see one caller, just this wireless caller, doesn't say the name, is in Thousand Oaks. And here's another caller, it just says anonymous, and it doesn't even say where they're from and several others, but nobody's got their hand raised yet. So if you want to do that in the future, we can do, and I think little by little, bit by bit, um, a real radio show. And we'll always have the text if you're shy or bashful and you just want to submit a comment or a question with the text message, you'll be able to do that. And if you want to call, you can listen to the program that way. And if you have a question, And you want me to acknowledge you over the phone. I now, as of this week, can unmute you one at a time. And uh, I even have volume. I can even turn you up and turn you down. Nice little upgrade. I think it's very cool. Well, let's do a visualization exercise then. And uh, see if we can install some of these concepts and levels of deep relaxation where they're much more likely to be understood and retain, and become an influence in your daily life and affairs. So provided this is a good time and you can close your eyes, get comfortable, prop yourself up with some nice big soft pillows, put your telephone on speaker or use a Bluetooth headset or tuck it under your chin, or maybe you're listening on the internet over the web, take a nice slow deep breath pulling in strength and power and as you exhale ah, feel the letting go throughout your body close your eyes if you haven't already and create and sense the feeling of letting go relaxing feeling stress and tension in your body just dissolving, falling away, drop your suit of armor, soften like butter on a warm day. If you put your attention on your body and take a second or even third slow deep breath before allowing your breathing to find its natural rhythm, putting your attention in this way on your body, you can feel a quality of letting go, of softening, so that you can sit straight up, but do so by being balanced rather than rigid, balanced, safe and relaxed. As if you're creating an alignment or a path of least resistance for spiritual light, energy, chi, ki, kundalini, prana, elan, holy spirit, the life force, to precipitate into you the more open and receptive you sit. And complete the cycle by imagine yourself feeling grounded into the earth, plugged in, Always, always in your meditation. Imagine yourself rooted into the earth. You see, all energy needs to be grounded. All electricity is moving toward the earth. visualize yourself as a conduit or a medium between earth and sky, between the material world that is the planet, the ground and the spiritual world above you and everywhere equally present and you become in that way the child, the son, or the daughter of Father Spirit and Mother Nature. As if you're a kind of a bar magnet in the chakra system from crown to the base of your spine is a bar magnet. And so in addition to this gentle downward precipitation of the life force coming into you, moving through you and finding its way to the earth there is also an electromagnetic field around you an aura or an energy field around you that is magnetic in nature because consciousness or spiritual love is magnetic in nature it radiates. It is magnetic in that not only does it radiate, but it attracts similar frequencies. Fear attracts fear. Love attracts love. In the physical dimension, opposite polarities attract, but in the spiritual dimension, like attracts like and we know this as the law of cause and effect of karma through the magnetic nature of consciousness of love this loving consciousness this conscient love radiates out into the world radiating from you in all directions but it is also magnetic further it is cohesive it is this consciousness this higher love that binds all things together into what appears to be form and in that way redeems and refines this is the magic of water to wine or lead to gold or healing, not only physical healing, but healing emotional hurt, healing fear. And this is the source of the longing that we speak of today, the deep inner desire for peace, for freedom, and for justice. A triangle that must have all three parts to exist we cannot have two of the three or one of the three we have to have peace and freedom and justice always and just as the species has evolved from the consciousness of the mineral kingdom Through the consciousness of the plant or vegetable kingdom, into and through the consciousness of the animal kingdom, to the consciousness of the human kingdoms and those other kingdoms yet to evolve, not only does the species, the physical form, unfold and grow. but our longing, our love our awareness unfolds expands radiates and grows, becomes more refined a higher frequency where the longing for peace and freedom and justice becomes greater and greater and greater so much that sometimes it even hurts sometimes Our desire for love is so strong that it breaks our heart. My friend Andrew Harvey, a great spiritual writer, teacher, certainly a teacher of mine, has a prayer or affirmation that he often says to himself, asking for the strength to endure his enlightenment. Lord give me the strength to endure my enlightenment because to develop love our hearts must be broken there is pain associated with it the yin and the yang of this evolution of consciousness involves broken hearts it in, it involves facing gross injustice it includes being prodded along by the sharp stick of injustice and corruption and greed but when your heart breaks the only thing that breaks is the part that's not real The sage has said the only thing that burns in hell is the ego. Just like putting a piece of metallic ore into an athanor, the alchemist would put gold ore or silver ore in an athenor, an oven, and turn up the heat, burning off the dross or the impurities so that the only thing that remains is the pure gold or silver Adversity and conflict in our lives, often it seems serves the same purpose. It breaks our heart and burns off the impurities, the sense that we're separate, that we are alienated and alone, that is slowly dissolved, corroded and eroded away by the fires of adversity. But we can lift that heat to light. We can, with the love that is consciousness, that is our awareness, lift that scalding heat to loving light and initiate a process of self-growth that allows us to transform politics while transcending politics, to change the world and everything in it. By identifying the caring nature, the longing, the desire, the aspiration, better said, for peace and love and freedom. By identifying that as who you are and what you're for. This is not simply an activity. It's an identity. It's not just a feeling. It's a purpose. Be that longing. Be that caring nature. Lead with your heart. And all other things will follow. Be interested in politics, but not limited by it. For each of us is so much more. We are this passion. We are this compassion. We are this longing for peace and justice and freedom. Feel that longing, that love, that peace, that desire to be free radiating from you and emanating out into the world. Imagine that it goes through the circle of friends, people in your family and your best friends, and radiating it out to everyone you've ever met, but continuing its radiation, its emanation in all directions to embrace all humans, that they may be awakened to a greater sense of peace and justice and freedom, by your caring that that awakens in them their caring nature and that that continues out into the world embracing not only all of humanity but the entire animal kingdom can benefit from our caring nature and the plant kingdom and the mineral kingdom that We no longer see these as separate objects or planes of existence, but united in a cohesive and harmonic way by our conscious love, our caring, our passion for compassion. If you're going to look at the shadow, if you're going to identify evil in the world, begin with the shadow inside yourself. Look into your own fear. What are you afraid of? What confuses you? Find your shadow and face it, for it exists merely as a symptom of that which is unknown to you face your fear your shadow that it becomes known and experience that shadow filled with light even now as I speak filling with light and love vanquishing evil with that simple intention To face the fear within you. And bring that gentle, sweet love, that longing, that conscious awareness with you back into the room. Simply by holding gently the intention to do so in your mind and in your heart. As you reorient yourself to the sound of my voice and remember the room around you if I seem in the distance, simply form the intention to move closer to the sound of my voice preparing in a moment to open your eyes wide awake remembering where you are and bringing with you effortlessly this expanded awareness of self and your relationship to all things working in every moment with hope, enthusiasm passion, optimism for a world that is ever more peaceful and free and loving and now take a nice slow deep breath, fill your lungs hold for a moment as you sense the fullness and as you exhale, ah Relax, open your eyes, wide awake, alert, rested, refreshed, feeling really fine, back in the room, with a deeper understanding and a more expansive sense of nonviolent dissent, civil disobedience, boycotts, refusal to participate, deliberate attempts to be more self-reliant, committed to reading Dr. King and Gandhi, and maybe even taking a look at the New Testament, particularly the words in red, as if they were free from the dogma and the politics of church and religion. Find the wisdom in the writings of those people and others who inspire you, too many to name. And thanks a lot for being here. I really appreciate it. Again, happy Father's Day. Everybody had a father, whether he was a hero of yours or maybe you never even knew him. Make it a day for family, a day of love and sharing day to think about some of the concepts we discussed and uh, again my, my thanks, my mahalo and aloha to you for being here. I want to remind you that this program is free every week, 1 o'clock West Coast time, it's 4 o'clock in the East when we begin, 20 hours GMT, and uh, it's all free as a public service focusedpassion.com and if you like this program you're going to love what Steve and I do in the studio a high fidelity premium audio program compelling conversation and guided meditation in every one of our programs at focusedpassion.com remember the ED focusedpassion.com now Six programs are absolutely free. There's a dozen excerpts on the splash page as well. To get access to the player so you can hear the programs for free, just click on the button that says send me the free stuff. You don't have to enter credit cards or anything. Just choose the button that says send me the free stuff. You'll get a password mailed to you. you log in with your email and that password that you get in the mail. And you'll have all six of those programs on a built-in player right on the website, along with the 12 excerpts that are available just for stop-and-by, and a ton of free articles. You'll see a link at the top. And...